killers, demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Hey Scary Cats and welcome to the Tex Chris Dave Saw Massacre. Hey. Today we're watching mm -hmm. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. This is the story of a Scary Things That Happen in the Dark. <laughs> By Andre Overdahl. Yeah. Yeah, this is very exciting from uh of Troll Hunter fame. Troll Hunter fame, autopsy of Jane Doe fame. Mm -hmm. This guy rocks. Yeah, produced by Guillermo. Guillermo. Apparently, Guillermo originally was supposed to direct the script. Yeah. And he decided not to and specifically handed it off to this guy. To bring it into Overdale. Of yeah. course. Of course, Guillermo de Troll would be obsessed with Troll Hunter. Of course, he would love yes. Autopsy of Jane Doe. That just, it all makes so much sense. They're so del Toro-y. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, um, they all tweaked the script together. Like, del Toro and the two writers and Andre Overdale all sat down for like a, a week or two and just yeah. sharpened it up before yeah. filming. Yeah. So, like story generally by del toro and then they have two writers are they brothers um i think that sounds right yeah who did the screenplay from like all those meetings that they had and also this thing filmed pretty much in our neighborhood yeah, it's a toronto one it's a toronto production i'm not sure how much we'll recognize from it because um again i don't i don't know the source material that well you said you've read one of the stories yeah recently? i just i wanted to like I, um so we're we're 90s kids but the, this didn't touch us somehow yeah well it's i think 80s was when it, they all came out or the the first couple like 81 okay. and then mid 80s and then i think the third volume came out from 1991 yeah see. it didn't i was never really aware of these until this project came along and scary stories to tell in the dark as a it seemed like it um from what i read it did seem like it was for younger younger people which i just can't can't think of too many really scary things for kids like yeah, it seems and like a, like maybe a level above goosebumps and are you afraid of the dark yeah, type thing? Yeah, definitely. Like not maybe meant for, you know, teenagers who are going out and seeing actual horror movies and reading full-fledged horror stories, but it it appears to me to be yeah, a collection of kind of just tiny short ones and also sh short scary stories. Yeah. And also apparently what made it so iconic was the illustrations in the original edition, yes. yeah, which were a huge reference for the making of this movie and that's supposed to be yeah. part of the celebration of this movie is that it's all practical effects mm -hmm. really taking after those illustrations and bringing and, them to life and they're horrifying it's horrifying to think of kids having not having <laughs> to but like reading these things at a pretty young age like unsupervised um i read the scarecrow story okay um, which is an image that has been circulating since yeah. this project started post really and yeah, it's really short. Like somebody posted it on Creepy Pasta, like oh, yeah? saying like this needs to be here because it's horrifying. So you get that horrible image of the scarecrow, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's it's disgusting, and it's certainly a level above um, like a goosebumps or something. Like there's implied murdery violence. Cool, like bloody skin. Yeah, stuff. I don't know if we got... Did we get murdered with Goosebumps? Did people die? I mean, I think, like, it's been so in long. the most PG way, like, there's yeah. a camera, and it shows, like, a picture... I feel like the image on the cover was, like, a picture of a skeleton, mm. <laughs> you know? Instead, like, instead of seeing a dead body, you know, you take a picture of someone, you see their dead body, you see, like, a skeleton right, or right. something. But, yeah, I think they implied it pretty frequently, or, you know, but yeah. like, you'll meet your doom and stuff like that, but, like, it wasn't explicit murder and... yeah you know like if the a werewolf's gonna eat you it's not as terrifying as 
the actual act of eviscerating a human with werewolf teeth. And that's going to happen in this? Um, in the Scarecrow one, was there some good without spoiling so, anything? I mean, it's it's very short and theoretically there's something. Yeah. Yeah. So I am, I think, I am yeah. expecting, to a certain extent, horror light. Like, I feel like this will be still a step above kind of, you know, like a yeah. scary kids movie, but a step below maybe something that's just intended for adults. That's my assumptions. Yeah. Like maybe like a, um, the new Sabrina TV show level. Yeah. Maybe even like a step above a that, but scarier. below it. Like, you know how it still feels very mainstreamy horror to, in a certain way. Yeah. Like it is, it's an edgier version of mainstream horror, but yeah. I feel like this will be, that, that's just my assumption from based on the fact that this was meant for kind of middle schoolers, it seems originally. Yeah. But so if it was meant for middle schoolers, but like, is that what they're doing or are they trying to bring it to a fresh new audience of middle schoolers or are they trying to like piggyback on the nostalgia of, you know, those eighties and nineties kids and make a movie for those people as adults, as adults. Well, Andre Overdahl said that he feels like it's a, like he, he himself was really inspired by Amblin movies, like, you know, E.T., the classic okay. Steven Spielberg, yeah. all those films. So he's, he says that this film is like a horror version of an Amblin movie. So a slightly mm. scarier E.T. type movie. Um, hmm. And oh, what else well, was there? And and yeah, he said hmm. that he also said that it's just very much a coming of age film. So it's going to be a lot of I think young, the cast will be, I think, young teenagers. OK. All kind of dealing with these things. Yeah. And do you get the sense that the movie is going to be? A narrative that kind of puts all these scary stories together or is it going to be more of an anthology uh i i got the incent the sense it was going to be more of an anthology but okay. i mean that's just because i can't see a way for it to mm -hmm. have been like a, a straight narrative the stories are so disconnected yeah i mean all all we've really gotten because i i didn't want to spoil too much i didn't really i didn't watch a trailer i didn't mm -hmm. I, I don't know anything other than the three images which are everywhere which i guess are from three of the stories one yeah. the scarecrow mm -hmm to um the girl at th or the creature at the end of the hallway that yeah. thing you know oh yeah that thing and i love too how um That's someone gross. on twitter was like i really don't like these special effects that you can even see like cgi is ruining horror movies yeah and then andre overall retweeted back no cg and the, yeah. the winky face <laughs> no cg yep <laughs> and oh, then the third so good and then the third one is um the woman in front of the mirror who has like a kind of uh the virgin zit that she's kind of pressing at and the spider like comes yep. out and that's interesting that's like the creepiest image from the book is the red spot image right yeah Ugh. so that's the name of that story the red spot i believe yeah and what's in fascinating me about that is it's totally ripped off i know now in um the third straight to video urban legends called urban legends bloody mary okay which has like i and i rented that one because as a kid just from blockbuster because i loved the first two so much even though it was of lower quality interestingly enough it has rooney mara in it in like a very early age okay i'm pretty sure it was is either it might be kate it might be kate mara but they have that scene in that movie where it's just kind of like clearly a spider laid eggs in the cheek of one of the characters and yeah. i just remember being so disturbed by that from that movie so it was the first thing that came to mind when i saw those images yeah i the thing that's coming to mind now is um the mist like the i don't know if you remember but there's that like one like offshoot building like a gas station or something it's just full of those little spidery creatures mm -hmm. and then yeah i remember the i remember those and then they like end up like coming out of a body coming out of the guy's like okay, body right. and mouth yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's horrific 
Uh, sounds great. I need to rewatch that one, man. Yeah, it's been but, a while. But I mean, all practical effects for mm-hmm. like that spider in the face, like oh baby, bring it on. Yeah, I can't wait. But yeah, so excited. I mean, we we love Troll Hunter so much. You brought that into my life. <laughs> Loved Autopsy of Jane Doe. We have episodes on both of those. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to see that kind of mastercraft, especially with um. It's it, they're such different movies, you know, like Troll, from Troll Hunter to Autopsy. You're going from the biggest scale wide shots in Troll Hunter to the most intimate claustrophobic film in Jane Doe. Yeah, and like a handheld found footage film right, right. to like a really you know cinematic stable camera. Yeah, yeah, typical kind of movie. But even just thinking of the shots in both of those films, like I'm I'm so excited to have that then brought into these kind of creepy illustrations. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah. The the way that he sets things up like visually puts you in a, in a great mm-hmm. place in both of those movies. And I also remember like in the autopsy of Jane Doe being like so creeped out by that basement and thinking about like, you know, walking down the hallway and taking the elevator and you know right. what room you were in. Like you really do get a sense of place with the, yeah, with the Overdahl. complete opposite of uh, the episode will come out in a little while, but Friday the 13th part four, hmm. which just, yeah. we could not have any sense of space whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. No sense <laughs> of space in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're seeing this, we get to go watch it at TIFF just a single day early, but, um, the curator of midnight madness for TIFF will be introducing it. And he said, he'd give us some hints for midnight madness, which I'm very, very excited about. Yeah. I hope in my experience, I hope it's not one of those like, all right, here's a hint. So one of the movies ends like this. <laughs> uh, still, still bitter about the house that Jack built intro. <laughs> I'll never get over 2018. that. <laughs> I'll never get over that. When we saw House that Jack built, we had maybe we've said complained about it on the podcast, but mm-hmm. we the intro the introduction gave just a, like a few a few too many um images of what we were well, going to see. That movie is divided up into five murders basically, or five parts. Yeah. And she like gave a like a really intimate hint about each one. She's like, "Let's if Here it was a bingo board, yeah, <laughs> you will yeah. like this movie." Yeah, uh-huh. something, to, yeah, something to that will make you clutch your chest. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then I said, "Like, yeah. how does it end?" <laughs> uh, so far for Midnight Madness, right. just because that's the thing we're most excited about mm-hmm. this time of year. We've gotten two two announcements. One of them is kind of an abstract Canadian thing, not horror but seems somewhat interesting. The one uh, yeah. that is most exciting is the opening night one. The other announcement that they made, a movie called Blood Quantum, which is an indigenous horror zombie movie. Yeah, it seems so cool. Yeah, it, it seems really interesting. Well, I mean, of the two, that's obviously the one that I'm most excited about. I don't know a ton about it, but just like synopsis alone, it's fine. that's never been done. And we've talked several times on this podcast about like, zombie movies need something more than just there are zombies absolutely like what's the most recent one with uh bill murray and yeah the dead don't die dead don't die like i, I hear nothing but like it's fine or i didn't fine, love it fine at best yeah like, exactly there are a couple weird characters and performances like you have tilda swinton doing like playing an alien and doing a weird thing and hell yeah <laughs> like so that's kind of fun to like a samurai alien so that's kind of fun and like a few jokes that are just like so tongue-in-cheek and overly satirical that it's just almost irritating Uh, yeah but i mean like so then there are movies like cargo and the cured and you know things that just have a very interesting perspective on a zombie apocalypse or just something new that hasn't been done before yeah and blood quantum sounds fascinating for exactly that reason that now we have first of all you know a community that usually is maligned by genre and horror movies right? yeah that's true indigenous people always are kind of caricatures in horror films this mm-hmm. time they're the ones who have written and are starring in this story 
and being in that indigenous community is central to the narrative the zombie the zombie virus doesn't affect that community apparently and that's 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 kind of the premise of the story moving forward the connotations there are so interesting exactly like the kind of political nature of this movie i'm so excited to Mm -hmm. see see how they how they deal with all that yeah that that seems really really great and hopefully we'll get a few more exciting announcements tonight yeah hoping for dr sleep hoping for justin benson and aaron moorhead's new one yeah and anything that we do get you'll be hearing about in a few minutes (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right we'll tell you if we got any of the hints i don't know how enigmatic he's going to be but regardless tonight at midnight he does his classic um post on twitter and by tonight i mean uh three days ago four days ago right (laughs) from when this episode first aired so you'll know um he posts like little emoji clues for all the 10 movies and Mm. usually someone smarter than me figures out all of them and that's what twitter is for out. yeah someone smarter than you tweeting something yeah but maybe let's go to some just other broader horror news because it's rare that we are recording an app three days before it comes out so yeah we, we can be a little more current we can be current and yes if we if we're going to be current here's something current that i could tell the scaredy cats that they might not know let's hear it let's do a little crustacean update oh my god we need how do we not have like a crustacean song i don't want a sound effect i want like a, a quick verse and chorus a four and a half minute yeah crustacean song so regular listeners of the show will know that dave is a collector of various crustaceans that need a home <laughs> and dave takes them in and has wonderful <laughs> homes for them sure yeah. wonderful tanks yes they all have a, at least appropriate space yeah that they're healthy you have, and you have multiple and tanks now right i do yes yeah, so two three uh, i have three yeah. Three tanks going. Fourth one uh, in progress being built. All right. Um, <laughs> so listeners may know that I have some hermit crabs, little adorable little crabs that live in shells. And mm-hmm. They're all doing very, very well, um, as I'm sure you, in, listeners have been very interested about. Um, I also have some new new guys. They're called vampire crabs. Geosisarma is the species. You oh, should... they look so cool. The colors on those things. Yeah. Follow my fave Dave on t- Instagram. Yes. Or one of those Daves on one Instagram. Of those, I don't, yeah, one of those Daves. It's on one it. of those Daves on Instagram to see <laughs> pictures of all these beautiful creatures. Yeah, they're, vampire crabs are super cool. I would highly recommend you just Googling them right now and checking me out on Instagram. Um, <laughs> and uh, in the vampire crab tank, they live uh, on in, on land and in water, so I have to have both. I decided to get some cleaning, uh, some, some shrimp to go in there to like take care of algae and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I fell in love with them, and I didn't want the crab to kill them, so I made them their own tank, um, and I got more, and I populated it, and uh, so now I've got a shrimp, er, a shrimp tank, yeah, <laughs> full of a whole bunch of different colored shrimp, and um, just a few days ago, uh, they've two of them have given birth to little baby shrimps. Congratulations! Thank you so much. I just I've been dying to tell somebody Octop- about all this. Octuplets? Oh, geez, no, like there must be forty of them. Oh man, I did not see forty in the video you sent, but I guess they're hard to capture all at once. Oh, dude, on a yeah. cell phone. <laughs> yeah, no, you you barely saw any. You saw like a square centimeter. Oh man, of the I gotta tank. come over. That sounds awesome. There's so many. Yeah, they're t- they're tiny, really hard to see. But yeah, if as far as most people, if you ask them how many crustaceans they have in their house, mm-hmm. it's very few. For me, I'm in the double digits <laughs> by a mile. <laughs> man, that is awesome. Crustacean Nation. Crustacean Nation, uh, check me out. I'm one of those Daves on Instagram, um, and uh, that's where I post pictures of my crustaceans. Good update. Thanks. But I meant more broadly horror news. Oh, oh okay. So we'll do that as well. Sure. Um, I mean, one that's it's not the newest news, but 
the two Halloween sequels, Halloween Kills, Halloween Ends. What do you, what do you, what's your take on this? What do you feel about this? Um, how do you feel about this? How am I feeling about this? Uh, you know, we've always just about every topic that's come out, we've chatted slightly off mic about it, but like, I'm hoping for bigger, more interesting Carpenter music mm-hmm. coming out of those two movies. Um, geez, other than that, like, I hope it's a little more intelligent as far as like the screenplay goes like i don't i don't just want like the excitement of everybody coming back to make a halloween like we're past that yeah so i'm hoping for like a story that makes sense and something that's a little more compelling and totally it needs to be a good compelling interesting story because i feel like this is what like what we're going through with star wars fatigue right now like when force awakens came out it was a huge event everyone Mm -hmm. just had so much fun kind of indulging in that nostalgia and then kind of the second and third one at least for me and some other people who are maybe lesser star wars fans Mm -hmm. it just like they just kind of i i could like i saw both of them and i couldn't tell you what happens in any of them like they just oh yeah they just felt kind of insignificant or that they weren't really doing anything on their own it just felt like they were just doing providing fan service and just adding another chapter that did not need to be there that concept alone is absolutely what i'm hoping to avoid because i don't want another halloween for the sake of halloween i know and the fact that we're we're getting to almost feels like it's a little like over ambitious we'll still definitely see them and maybe when trailers and more news comes out we'll get more excited about what the concept is but i would hope like if they did like a an it chapter one and chapter two like where there's like you know those two movies are dependent on each other yeah that would be cool i'm in for like a big bloody like two-parter oh i think that's what it is i okay. i, I assume that i assume good. that it is a two-parter and then yeah hopefully they will do something really unique and interesting with that that it's not yeah. just a cash grab yes not just two more halloween movies uh-huh following like hitting but beats, i so. but i am nervous just given kind of blumhouse's late kind of last couple years about what this yeah. may be i but, imagine like I imagine seven out of tens, like hmm. at best, like, but that's me being super pessimistic. And we've got everyone coming back from the last one, like David Gordon Green's directing, Danny McBride's writing, co-writing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not my favorite part about it. Yeah. 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 But we'll see. Also, um, James Wan's returning to horror. Of course he this is. This is news. After an under the sea sabbatical. Yep. With Aquaman. <laughs> with Aquaman. He's making his glorious return. And not only that, he has announced that it's going to be practical effects, which yes. is yeah. so exciting because I do feel that The Conjuring does rely on CG to a decent extent. Like, yeah, sure, you've got, you know, Javier Botet in there, who's mm-hmm. also in this movie tonight, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Javier Botet's in this one, too. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he is. Um, but I do, I do, I am interested by the fact that he explicitly wanted to announce that this will be a practical effects driven horror movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, that it couldn't be better that this is being popularized right now because, um, what's, what's really funny, uh, is I, I've listened to a lot of old episodes lately, uh, namely, um, our extra episode. Mm-hmm. And we talked briefly in that, um, to do with cg we were talking about how some people saw a cut of a quiet place where krasinski <laughs> yeah, 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 was yeah. in the suit yeah, yeah and that no monster <laughs> john krasinski in a green suit doing oh, the monster how stuff. do we like i don't think they do those kind of test screenings in toronto but man that would be a bizarre experience it would just be the most amazing thing in the world to see um i want to see it they should but, add that to like special features after i mean that's what the oh, people yeah, want come that's, on they, they, 
absolutely and every time that he looked to the camera like he, like <laughs> and i want to know what facial expressions he was making yeah you know what i mean like he's got to stay in character like i bet he was going in the mind of those monsters and big eyes like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that just is such a strange thing to say <sighs> like he's being creepy and yeah. hissing or whatever but yeah no and sorry yeah, so that's episode. that's so so cgi like that john krasinski in a green suit turns into a super <laughs> creepy monster yeah um, but yeah, it's uh, kind of getting bored of it. And the fact that there's a slight resurgence, it seems in, you know, practical effects being what people want to see. Yeah. In demand and in mm. actual production. Like that's yeah. great. Yeah. A hundred percent. And another, maybe the other most exciting thing about it is this is not a sequel to something and yes. it is not a remake. Original property, baby. An original practical effects movie with James Wan. Yes, please. Oh and thank man. You. Bring How it on. exciting. And then the other big piece of horror news uh, that I thought was pretty exciting is Adam Wingard is going to be directing Event Horizon, the series for Amazon. I did not hear this. This is news to me right now. <gasps> yeah, that's what? exciting, right? I mean, something stretched out into a series. I can see that working, especially with him behind it. And it hasn't been confirmed or announced, but a little earlier, like about a week or two ago, uh, Adam Wingard also posted on his Instagram the front page of a script and the title of the script was blacked out and it said written by Simon Barrett. And he said, today was a good day. So I'm not sure if Simon Barrett wrote the event horizon that he's going to be directing oh, yeah. or if there's another horror project that yeah. some or whatever project that Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard are doing. But either way, there's either one, way. Uh, or if not two Simon Adam Barrett. Wingard projects coming out. And yeah, Simon Barrett, Adam Wingard, that like oh that my god combo is just like we've praised it a trillion times they're you're amazing. next the guest blair witch yes um, and a bunch of earlier ones that you don't want to know about <laughs> frankenfish no not those ones like um, <laughs> a horrible way to die and there's there are these just like actually i haven't seen a horrible way to die 24 frames is the one i'm thinking about where it's like a i think that's what it's called joe swanberg directed it and the two of them act in it oh no and this is before any of them were kind of huge and they're not the best actors. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, but no, Joe Swanberg was like fascinated by Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett's friendship and their dynamic. And he's like, I'm going to make a movie about you two. Because in, in those days, like the late 2000s, early 2010s, all those kind of mumblecore directors were just fucking pumping out movies yeah. like every half year, it seemed. And people were loving them. Yeah, because it was just like shoot a camera, natural light, like mm -hmm. we'll improvise dialogue and have a movie. Yep. And it made them all, it transitioned all of them into real Hollywood yeah. screenwriters and filmmakers and i'll also say like i so enjoyed um the effects of adam wingard in vhs to mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. one with the robo eye yeah the fact that he's doing another movie that has like a famous like eyeless scene oh my god yeah like those two things just connect for me yeah and event horizon was like such a big one for me when i was young too like that one really got under my skin at a young age yeah i i remember thinking that it was just like such a uh, a layer above most like the sci-fi horror movies I've seen, just because of like the philosophical components. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It how really, dark. How dark it gets. Yeah. It, it really. It, it didn't like get under my skin, but I remember like feeling like it had a lot of gravity. Like mm -hmm. it was a really important movie. Maybe. Toronto. We need a repertory screening of that shit. I want to see Hell, Event Horizon yeah. big on the big screen with Sam fucking Neil. Hell yeah, Sam Neil in the Amazon show too. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe he'll still just be down there with his eyes gouged out. It'd be cool if he could make a little appearance or something, like on the radio or something. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how he does it. But I'm I'm so excited. The show, uh, and I do hope Simon Barrett wrote that because the yeah. last thing that Adam Wingard directed, well, the last two things that he's fucking directed. Oh no, 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 I haven't seen. Sorry, he didn't do the last Godzilla. He's doing the upcoming Godzilla. I completed yeah, it because right. Michael Doherty did the one that just came out, yes, which yeah, I didn't yeah. care for that much. But um, Death Note, which he did for Netflix, I loved the direction, but I hated the writing. Right. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to show you scenes from Death Note because yeah. there are some incredible moments in that I show, w- but it, it's not worth watching as a whole. Yeah, you've like, not never, but you really clearly told me, it's like, no, don't watch it. Like, I so did not enjoy it that I have nothing like positive to say. Like, sure, it had some moments, but like, it's so... Mm. Like, yeah. You, well, even like the... Posi- you turned me out of it for sure. And the positive things are like, there are just some... Because the guy, I love his music selection for things. Like, ever mm-hmm. since... Like, even going all the way back to your next, he he has really, I think, pushed forward um, the, the synthwave revival that kind of has happened. Okay. And even the people who have made the music for... Um, Stranger Things, like that whole theme, mm-hmm. they did the music for The Guest, which was years earlier. And yeah. The Guest is incredible. And then those creators for Netflix just kind of plucked that up. So I think Adam Wingard is kind of on the forefront of being able to really choose excellent music for his particular projects. And in Death Note, you have a lot of that. Like there are some amazing, there's a scene with the Ferris wheel at the end. And it's just like this glorious, glorious shot that I really just want to rewatch, but it's a tough journey to get there with weird dialogue and okay characters. And yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm not totally into the concept. Yeah. Well, that's been a wrap on horror news top three stories of the week i guess yeah and um we should probably get going so we can make this movie in time huh yeah guys if you want us to see this movie and talk about it we're gonna have to hit the road and we will see you shortly see ya Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we are, live. From first, first time recording from the light box. From the light box. A little strange, dude. Mad strange. We were in one place and that was super uncomfortable, just because it was highly visible. Yep. And then we moved like a waiter carrying all the like all the plates of food <laughs> from one table to another. With their heads hanging in shame. And yeah. Now we feel great. Yeah. This no, is the th- spot. This is better now. Yeah. And. Yeah, I like this. This is a. This makes me feel okay. Great. We can do. We can do movies at Lightbox now. We got a spot. I think that's true. I also think it might look like we're just podcasting about people walking by. Yeah. Well, especially if we're just like locking eye contact. Yeah. And Which it's hard not to. It is. Yeah. <laughs> kind of want to overhear their thoughts on that movie. Yeah. Let's bring them over here one by one. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. You want to be on a famous podcast? Ah, <laughs> uh, so that was scary stories to tell in the dark. Andre Overdahl. Yeah. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. It. I. It makes me very. Um, excited for the 10 and 11 year olds who that will be pushing the boundaries of horror for them my exact thought right is as an adult Mm -hmm. i thought it was a well-made movie Mm -hmm. as a kid that would fuck you up but it's watchable yeah yeah It, it somehow works for both like it's very scary for like young children to watch probably mm. like traumatizing i think this movie will traumatize people who are exposed to it yeah um but then for us it, it does feel like a lot of things we've seen before oh dude yeah yeah like it, it it interestingly brought to mind yeah of course kind of the 80s uh kids figuring things out um also super eight did that as well super eight yeah that yeah. it felt like 
um, that at times, but then also interestingly, like a lot of early 2000s movies like Final Destination and The Ring, where it's like they just kind of got to get to the, the bottom of what's causing yeah. all this pain. And at the end of the day, it ends up being something that itself is hurting and they just need to like appease that or have yeah. it be heard or yeah. in some way. And they like know it's coming too. Yeah. Like they yeah. get it right away. So it's yeah. just like give a voice to suffering and then that suffering will stop harming other people. And yep, yeah, it's a, all right. it's a very straightforward. Yeah. Something that we've seen before, but I mean, as far as the imagery is concerned, yeah, it is a wallop. And, like, a lot of kind of the scary sequences were just really genuinely enjoyable. Yeah. And yeah. the I, en- I enjoyed the jump scares. Like, I feel like we've just had mm-hmm. um, seemingly, like, 10 years of Conjuring-type jump scares. Yeah. And this was, like, a time where now we, we like, it's just a slightly different thing. Like, the, all the Conjuring movies is, like, you have kind of the violin stringy music, and then it just kind of... Come this, you listen to the music kind of slowly fading to zero on like one last string note yeah. and then two seconds later bam dude that's the exact equation and probably the exact amount of seconds you have to wait god I know it just kills yeah. me that, like especially that last Annabelle just did it over and over again and this one yeah. was different and unpredictable it was genuine silence you remained in the silence and it yeah. was exciting when then something came up and it generally there was something that would come up you know it, it was the jump scares were like almost like after uh a legitimate, you know, kind of slow reveal of something. Yeah. Then, you know, the thing that's already been introduced or been shown to you will, like, you know, do something jumpy. Yeah. But for the most part, like, pretty much every sequence had a slow build-up. Mm-hmm. So you could really kind of, like, go, oh, no. And, and like, kind of grip your, grip your own pants and get ready for it. Totally, totally. And, like, I think, I think this would be very special and exciting if you were very familiar with those stories. Like, mm-hmm. even the way yeah. that the film was made, it was almost yeah. like oh fuck it's that story now or oh yeah. shit now we got this one coming in yeah like, those would have been exciting reveals if you were for those who are very familiar with yeah and itself. from what i understand like i know the concept of three or four of them and um they're pretty drastically different like to fit into the new narrative that they have in this new sort of like um uh, trick-or-treat-esque town where you know i totally thought about trick-or-treat at the beginning yeah the halloween well, theme I mean, yeah the halloween night multiple <laughs> stories coming out sure. you know um, yeah, so you read the Scarecrow right. one. Yeah. So how did that compare to um, how Harold actually was in the movie? Yes, um, it's it's just about two men who are, like, working on the farm, and they got to bring their cows up, you know, like, for a few weeks at a time mm-hmm. to the meadow, and then they bring them back. Okay. And they've always just hated the, um, the Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Or they decided to make a Scarecrow and call him Harold, and they hated him. Sometimes they'd laugh and make fun of him. Sometimes they'd be mean and beat him up. Okay. But in this, they really condense that into... The uh, hatred of that kid. Yeah, he's always hated this Scarecrow. <laughs> yeah, but there's no like depth to that. Where the depth is coming from is the Cerebello's character. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing that itself was one of the short stories, and that's yeah. maybe what... Yeah, just that on its own, and like... When I said, I said at the top, like, it's kind of, like, more than what I would say, like, would happen in Goosebumps in terms of, like, being scary for kids. Yeah. Like, I think one of the guys goes back because they forgot their, like, milking stools. To the scarecrow? Yeah. And then uh, the other one, like, looks back and can see the scarecrow on top of the house with, like, a bloody skin. Aye. Yeah. So, I mean, theoretically, he's, like, skin the guy. Right. And that's, I don't know, super. 
super that, yeah, rough. That, that seems that seems darker than what they showed for that segment at least. Yeah, I um, mean these story the stories in the book were super dark. Like spiders exploding out of your face. There's no way to swing that. That it's you know, yeah, it's any kind of mild. And that was mm-hmm. really gross when it happened in this one. Um, it and was, it, and that was a weird line that the cop said. She's going to be in the nut house for the rest of her life. I'm like, oh, really? It's that traumatizing of an event? Yeah, and <laughs> and I was thinking that like probably like every five or ten minutes, I'm like, why is it? Why are they over-explaining all this stuff? I'm like, this mm-hmm. is like so it's palatable for children or not children, but younger people yeah. to follow the story. Yeah, for the 13 year olds who can finally get into this movie. Yeah, and so like it does like I think that they had to find a language that's middle gr- in all of their presentation, a language that's middle ground between adults and and some younger people because I don't know that other than the image like the actual images that played off of the illustrations from from the book Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like they were trying to stick too closely to the actual story but the stories as far as i can tell are really short so like they don't they're just these they give room to play with and adapt in different ways yeah and this i think they did a good job putting a narrative together that you know made these stories both stories mm-hmm. and things that are happening to the kids trying not to be killed. Yeah. And, you know, there's cool things that um, transcend your typical haunting movie or creepiness thing movie where, like, other bystanders could be killed, like adults involved could Yeah, it was great. Participate. I mean, like, so I, my jaw kind of dropped the second, the second that the Scarecrow stabbed um, What's-His-Face. Yeah. Um, Tommy. When they yep. just out there because I'm like, oh, okay, this movie is going to do that and go there. And then like yeah. when there was no not a drop of blood and just straw came out, that kind of um, leveled me out a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. maybe this is all right. But that cop straight up got killed. That thing like snapped its neck, it snapped all his the neck way around. Bad, yeah. And that's like that's a that's a so. dismembered corpse too. Like, oh yeah, creepy head. You saw that like the skull crack in half as it pushed its face through the bars and stuff. Like, which is great, but also very CG. Yeah, right? like there's with, a tremendous amount. Yeah. So I mean, I think that tweet was a little bit misleading. Um, that was um, Andre Overdahl coming to the fence of practical yeah. effects because he was referring to um, the pale lady, which I th- I think that probably was full practical effects. But I took that to mean that the whole movie perhaps had also, all of those practical yeah. effects. When really, like that final dude was maybe there was a few shots where they had a contortionist walking and running, but even if they did that, it looked like glossed or upgraded to 100%. a CGI skin. And it, it, it really kind of was a letdown for me in that sense. Like it just, it looked so over fake. There was so much more CGI than I expected in this movie. Yeah. Like from the beginning with like the bugs crawling on Harold's face. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, ev- that's a nice touch. I like those bugs crawling in and out of the thing. Yeah, yeah. I like that too. But like immediately those aren't real bugs and not like when a bug perfectly does something creepy like that's not that mm. catches your eye too and this is not for the th- the 13 year old criticism this is the adult criticism that caught caught your eye when you do eventually see that bloated lady like mm. her whole effect is like cgi like certainly to create that suit and have them slowly walk down the hallway maybe isn't and that's an the easiest shot on earth to get Oh, totally. You know, to, uh, but it was effective. Like it, that's, I think that's but, a fun moment. But then, oh, I loved it too. But then, just specifically to talk about the images and how I did kind of go in expecting a tremendous amount more practical effects. Yeah. Um, you do see the CGI in every I- single iteration of a monster or some bad thing. Every one of them has something going on that's touched right. up or completely CGI. Yeah, and I think it only bothered me with the what was his? He had a crazy name. 
the the uh, dude who can disassemble and reassemble oh, himself. Oh yeah. Whatever. Whatever no, happened to by be. Dory. Yeah. Know. Whatever. Um, Walker. You but you also really hear Guermo's voice in this movie too. Yeah. Like just the way that the narrative kind of sets up the beginning and then ties back at the end, right? Stories hurt and yep. they heal. That kind of thing just yep. feels like every every Guillermo de Toro movie. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> having it, that kind of thing. And then like just to empathize with the monster, that whole aspect as well. Yep, that's that's super Guillermo. Like, yeah. This, the, felt, this felt more Guillermo than Andre Overdahl, I Yeah, felt. I could barely find him in it. Like mm-hmm. looking through it, it's like kind of looks um, not typical it does it does kind of look like your run-of-the-mill movie in terms Mm -hmm. of how shots are established and stuff like that it was really like i think some of the sequences were creative and you know the the kids were so lovable yeah Um, yeah they were they were pretty lovable um i didn't care too much for the dialogue overall like i think there are a lot of great movies out there that write dialogue for kind of kids and teens and tweens um and I don't know if this one was the greatest one. Like, I think some of those jokes should have kind of like that sense of humor, mm-hmm. those jokes that we got in the recent Halloween movie, mm-hmm. the, the way they were writing for kids in that, like those were funny things for kids to say. Whereas I, I think see. a lot of the things kids said here were just, I don't know, super like dorky or they like try to be too funny. And fair enough. Kids aren't that yeah. funny as kids like, are not as clever as, as they we are want Halloween them to movie. be yeah. in, yeah. Um, in cinema. But um, that was something that stood out a little bit to me. But yeah, if we if we go through those um, scares like one by one, those sequences, because those were okay. the high points of the movie. I would actually start to get a little bored until like waiting for I didn't another, wanna, another yeah. story to come. I like, didn't want to say it, but yeah, yeah, I was and, just waiting for the stories. And it was it was a long start before we got to the first one. It was like I felt like 30, 35 minutes of setting up before we got to the, the, the scarecrow, the scene. scarecrow, and we were waiting for that for a good long time. And so they're they're trying to like not trying to, but it really comes off um, like the It movie where you know you've got this like unbelievably messed up bully, mm-hmm. and it was slightly more believable in this one because he was just like drunk and it like you know Mm -hmm. made him more aggressive and it's the 60s so you can have a drunk kid coming home and the mom saying go deliver those eggs yeah and he's just (laughs) sending him back into the car to drive off walk yeah but he just walked out through his own field so i guess he was just walking to the neighbors what's that kid from he's so familiar the bully he does look super familiar but i don't know because like i've never seen him dressed up in like a varsity jacket and right you know i think he might be in you the tv show euphoria which is made by the Mm -hmm. same guy as assassination nation um ain't saint it yeah, that's the only... Th- I think he must be one but, of those kids. Yeah, so he was just like the Henry from It, and he really kind of looked and was shot like him, too, except, mm-hmm. like, unbelievably sweaty. There's a lot of... Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And in, in the first few scenes with him, for some reason, he was, like, just drenched with sweat. Mm. Like, when he's looking in um, through Ramon's, like, car window. And, yeah. You know, he was supposed to be, like, the creepiness factor that wasn't otherworldly until we, you know, get to Switch. the scarecrow moment. Until that kid gets eaten up and enveloped by by these stories. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and I and that was that was charming, that whole kind of setup of, like, the kids out on Halloween, like, the kids standing up to the bullies. That and was awesome, yeah. and Like, that whole sequence of the drive-thru and then meeting Ramon. Like, that whole, those moments were kind of, those rooms were really sweet. Great. Yeah, I was totally into that. Mm-hmm. And there was just something about how much they needed to figure out um, and I don't know how long the movie went or something. There was so much time for the like for a not very interesting story to be told or for them to fill in gaps in between. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like uh, a little. It seems like what you'd want to do in that circumstance is one event as they run to like you know meet up with the friend who ate the stew or something, just trying to find him. That's when another thing should be happening to someone else so that they're separate again. You know, mm-hmm. the way that it was put together, kind of 
made it seem like a string, you know, a straight line with events that, uh, you know, occur along it rather than, you know, one thing bleeds into another thing, which bleeds into another thing. It's just kind of meandering. Yeah. It was like we got kind of, you know, once we'd have a story and that scare sequence would be over, then there'd be kind of, you know, 15, 20 minutes of kind of just uh, less exciting things happening and mm-hmm. then reentering the house and stuff. Yeah. I, I feel like it could have done with maybe a bit of trim uh, just to yeah, tighten, tighten sure. up the pacing a little bit. And yeah, like that. So I did enjoy the so, cornfield scene. Like when he's going, I like yeah. him kind of getting lost and coming back to it twice to just being exposed to the pole. I think that's a good yeah. sequence. Yep, that was good. That was good. And then the whole, the way that the toast scene set itself up was really great because you have them kind of freaking out over the walkie talkies, trying to mm-hmm. like get him to yeah. panic and be aware of the situation and him yeah. like falling into it and then ultimately getting dragged into an eternal abyss underneath the bed which becomes the wall that's great that was awesome like yeah. that a lot that was really good and um and that I was lo- like the most stretched sorry that was like the most stretched out suspenseful moment too like I, where there was silence for the longest yeah they like really stretched and, and it was effective and it was great and i loved being yeah. in that moment and then that w- also was punctuated with a big jump mm-hmm. yeah, very very loud sound yeah like and that was also the moment where, like, the audience kind of uh, killed the moment a little bit just because they were like, giggling, so I was, giggling to break the tension. I wasn't going to say anything. They weren't giggling to break the tension. <laughs> they were laughing like assholes. <laughs> nah, nah. I was, we were sitting nearish the front and just someone in the back, like, when the kid, like, slowly starts crawling out from under the bed because he's scared. <laughs> 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 like shit like that i like looked over <laughs> to you the person next to me was like you know, going, oh oh my god no <laughs> no he isn't like stuff like that do little like vocalizing and i know for a fact that that person was there on their own because whoever oh, the person right beside you yeah because yeah, whoever that they're with won't go out to movies with them because they freaking make sounds the whole time mm-hmm. i didn't want to do this again every time <laughs> we go to the theater i complain about people laughing but ah yeah, and usually right. like at these advanced ones, people are are like even more chill about it. But what was that chuckling, man? Like I don't know. it was, it was like the, it was uh, one of the most intense, suspenseful scenes. So like Probably that one, I most. buy was the most. Was there one that beat that? I, I think that might be like the the high point of the movie is that scene and scene. and the pale lady and I like I like yeah that whole hospital scene the too. whole hospital like scene. Yeah. The, well, the the amount of running like you kind of got what was happening, mm-hmm. but like showing it for as long as they did like you know there are kind of four directions that give you five ish because there's like the two that split off. Yeah. But you get the point that no matter where he turns, it's there. It's going to be there. So like that one, I think that might be the most one of the most disturbing things for like younger audience because it's like just got this like it's sinister, huge smile yeah. on its face. It looks and like a frog. To get closer and closer, and for it to like warmly embrace you is such an interesting, uh, yeah. paradoxical it's thing to find scary. Like yeah, it's smiling yeah. and it's moving slowly. There's a little fruit fly. Like landing on my face and shit. That's Dave's mic fruit fly. Fuck off. <laughs> um, yeah, and then just yeah. kind of absorbs it, <laughs> absorbs yeah. the kid into her belly. Yeah, there's just something like mm-hmm. I don't know, something almost like um, just pure disturbing about that. I, I guess yeah. like it's not, it doesn't have anything really scary. Even when he gets finally caught, mm-hmm. that's not a scary thing. It's just so disturbing the way this thing looks and what it's doing. Yeah, and. That that definitely was stood out to me too. Like that final kind of moment. I don't know what I was expecting that creature to do, but I I was wanting something maybe a little more bloody or and uh, and that was a moment that I'm like, right, this is a PG thirteen yeah. horror movie for kids. 
Yeah, that that <laughs> did keep coming back. But they, I think they like there was a like a line. This is how far you can go before it's not for young people anymore. And, and they were just they definitely at that walked line. it. Yeah, like as as often as they could be, they were there. And even for me, like I remember you saying when we watched um, when we saw it, like the projector scene mm-hmm. with that big jump, like you didn't like the effect of that as much as like maybe you know. Um, I don't know. I remember you not liking that as much because it's really CG looking. Maybe um, the projector scene I particularly loved. I thought that oh, was like did? that one. Like uh, was really, especially the first time I watched it, it was like, oh my god! And when he, um, th- I, I connect these two things. The projector scene. I remember you saying something about. And when uh, Pennywise is in the water and just flies right at um, that. That that he, was the CG that so bugged me. Is that whole that whole yeah. moment? But I no, I love the projector scene. So both of those moments really got me like i just think because they're overwhelming Mm -hmm. and that weird whatever body part man kind of got me and i think like adrenaline wise that might push the pace for a younger audience like that might be hard for them that might be the scariest thing in the movie for younger people yeah especially just um the head at the beginning like when you just kind of first see the head alone and the eyeball open and him talking and his big toothy smile Um, that for sure. And once, once he started kind of moving in assembly, then I, I just kind of got out. It lost as, me entirely. Yeah. As, and I get that too, but there's something about like the, that's the only like creature in the movie that like moved quickly. Mm-hmm. Everything else like slowly plotted towards you. I mean, we didn't really get a lot overall, right? I mean, we got the scarecrow, the pale lady, the spiders don't really feel like they count. That just kind of felt like a, yeah. a minor moment. And then the final big thing at the, the crawly, whatever we want to call that thing. Yeah. Oh, and we got heavier Botet for a quick moment. Right, <laughs> as the missing toe. I wanted more of that scene. Like, yeah, that, I felt that really we got cut short. A hundred percent. I Just, could. It was like we said, uh, one of the biggest suspenseful moments. But we didn't get to see that thing much. I we would, saw it at the end of the hall, and then it just yeah. pulled him from behind. We didn't get to watch. And that, like, I wonder if, like, you know, it was too creepy. Like, because mm. like that was full, like practical, like right. or very, very practical. Like, obviously, the face had like some CG animation on it um but like that was so creepy and real yeah the way that you know have your butt moves i guess he's, he's so good at what he does so good at scaring ki- people yeah kids. but no i definitely but, like, like watching this movie made me want to watch it like it i think does mm-hmm. this a lot better in a lot of different ways i agree yeah mm-hmm. yeah um it also like in a way it feels like it is a movie for adults though like it doesn't I don't think it's quite as for kids, like, mm-hmm. and again, not kids, but like twelve, thirteen year olds. No, no, no. You're about. you're right though. This one definitely feels like it's geared towards that kind of young, and it, that yeah. totally makes sense. I mean, like we said at the top, yeah. th- this was books written for middle school children. Yes, and it's like a little too scary even for them. Like that's what's so like captivating about them is like people enjoyed them and yeah. read them, even though they pushed their limits and stuck with the images stuck with them forever. And the film reflects that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, looking at it through that lens, I think it's probably s- the best, maybe the best horror for, like, a younger generation mm. like that. It, it could, it's like studio, maybe. Right. It's it's goes down pretty smooth. But it, it for us, maybe, or at least me, and you said this a little bit, like, it's a little too long. Maybe it could use some trim. Mm-hmm. Kind of lost me here and there. Yeah. Some some good performances from the kids. Yep. Like, the main, the main girl mm-hmm. was really great, I yep. thought. Yep. And Ramon was pretty solid. And D, it was nice to see Dean Norris in there for a little bit. Yeah. Breaking yeah. Dad's Dean uh, Norris. Uh, yeah. And he, he was good, too. He, like, broke down. He had a great little phone scene. Like, yeah. It was yeah. He had a moment. He, that had was to, he had to bring out the acting for for his one week in yeah. Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> and he did a great job. That that building looks very familiar. 
Do you recognize that house? Where is that house? Oh, dude, there was like so many moments where my brain like like where tweaked. is this? Where is this? Yeah, it's like I know that. Yeah, yeah. But then like I couldn't the way it was dressed and the season and all that stuff mm-hmm. like made it like I couldn't make sense of it quickly. Right. As they had like quick little establishing shots that were just so clearly Toronto, but yeah, I couldn't make sense of it. Just that one big like it it looks like a couple houses in my neighborhood which doesn't make sense because it had such a yard in the front and back yeah. but yeah no i don't know just uh, familiar toronto architecture i guess i guess so yeah i, I have no idea but mm-hmm. i'm gonna find it i keep thinking of movies like dead silence and stay alive like it just really the whole kind of breaking in to kind of a zone area house where mm-hmm. the person was originally cursed to like find out you know okay what happened to them and by finding out what happened to them we'll do it like I feel like there were so many movies like that right I, after the millennium. And this really, really calls back to those two. Totally. And like that, that makes a lot of sense too, because you know, nineties kids would be, you know, watching more and more uh, movies at that time too. Interesting. Yeah. They read the books, then they saw those early horror movies and now they love, love these ones. And that's just like the most, that's the formula, you know, to not be original. Like that's the Blumhouse of their day is, mm-hmm. you know, or, or the early two thousands is, you yeah you go to a place you somehow interact with that original spirit or entity and find out what bad happened to them empathize with them just exactly like you said and let them let them vent a bit and then it'll be okay or sometimes that spirit is just malicious like in the ring and then you just have you're just fucked regardless yeah you're like i know what happened to you was able yeah (laughs) i know she wants you to watch yeah that whole like i want you to watch i want you to hear this that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, well, Andre Orvidal's next project has already been announced. He's doing um, mm. a Stephen King one, The Long Walk, which I think is a very mm. early Stephen King. I don't know if it's a short story or oh, a novel, cool. but so he's he's now he now gets to do his That's version of a King uh, story. Of, of everybody, like in this movie, like the writers, like haven't really like made a huge like impact to me. Mm-hmm. Like I think m- maybe they did a pretty good job um, taking these short stories like how brief and small and how the craft of adapting it into a full feature that yeah. craft is yeah. they probably did a really really good job um but that's like, probably what got it going yeah yeah but as far as like you know dialogue and you know storytelling i wasn't you know absorbed with the writers mm-hmm. guillermo del toro just like that's what the movie looks like to me it yeah. looks like just like he could have directed it and i wouldn't have known the difference like that would have fit perfectly totally. like andre overdahl is the one who doesn't stand out yeah no it really it really does feel like a project though that like Guillermo came in and kind of put his touches on. You know what I mean? Mm. That like the, the whole script start to finish isn't his, but like we can see the moments of the things yeah. that he kind of threw himself into. Yeah. But yeah, like none of the things that I love about Troll Hunter or Autopsy of no. Jane Doe, I feel like I saw it here at all. You know, there wasn't like the way that things were shot didn't particularly stand out. Nope. And like the the grimy low lighting like mm-hmm. um that he did a lot of in Jane Doe was sort of replaced with this CGI like shadow that rolls in over this over the the shot yeah which is it i mean we it's, don't really that doesn't weak. really cohesively wrap up in any sense like we don't yeah. even like it's maybe if Mary Bella's at the end was kind of manifest as kind of that shadow thing, but that didn't really happen. Yeah, that we should have just seen a shadowy woman the whole movie, and then we mm-hmm. get that she became like a shadow. They should have said like she's a shadow. They burned her up or something. Became a I don't know. Yeah. Like, but yeah, that was just an effect that they chose to use to like it's bad time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's their version of like the Pennywise balloon. Right. But it's not nearly as iconic or, or striking effective. or effective or exciting. Yeah, none of that stuff. Yeah. 
and not to be super critical, but like some things like that. Um, the and and I think all of this is just because we've just seen so much of it before, and you know, for the millionth time, mm-hmm. just I I do think yeah. that people who are new to horror and young kids, this this might be something that they find very effective yeah. and interesting, and I would not hopefully be, freaks them out and gives them nightmares. I would not be surprised, like you know, fifteen twenty years from now to people come out and yeah. say that, that movie really fucked me up yeah but i mean i'll never connect this thought right now to that happening no. you know in two <laughs> decades but um one other thing that like i really liked is i think it like the sound design was pretty damn good in this movie and like that um specifically that scream she let out at the end and the one that Javier Botet like the mm-hmm. when he's under the bed yeah and those like we said screams. For those, those jump scares like that's yeah. all sound design so i totally yeah. agree with you yeah yeah that was really good and like i found myself like not knowing exactly what I was going to see or when, or like, just like you were saying about that, you know, um, conjuring formula. Yeah. I didn't know when something would happen or even for sure that it would, mm-hmm. you know, so like I could have understood like when he was walking out drunk with the eggs, Yeah, I could have even like not been uh, like, I could have seen just some creepy thing happening and mm-hmm. that not being like the culmination of the story. Like, I I was it was they didn't give away their own scares basically no like, that is to the movie's credit it was refreshing in yeah. in those jump scare moments for sure yeah and, and I think the sequences all throughout even if they didn't have a big jump moment I think yeah just those those key story moments were like yeah. if I if I would want to watch yeah. this again I would just want to watch those scenes I like j- like if you give me the scarecrow give if me you the took Billy. the movie apart and sort of tried to isolate those stories mm-hmm. as they were written yeah I think each of those would be pretty effective. Yeah, because it'd be I, a short five-minute sequence. I wonder too how much that is that the same thing goes for the movies that I watched and loved at um, twelve and thirteen and mm. fourteen, movies like Thirteen Ghosts, movies like Joyride, yeah. Glass House, movies that like when I think back, the most exciting part were just the scare sequences, and you're sitting through the movie because you're like, I want to get to those scares, and the things you talk about at school when mm. you get there is like, oh, oh yeah, that yeah. moment, you That's know, remember true. that moment. That is true. So, I think I think this has a lot of these, but I mean. Any kid who snuck in to see mm-hmm. it is gonna have like a f- way more better, way more to chew yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, and that being kind of a good final word is, I'm just really excited for it. Chapter two. Same here. <laughs> it chapter two will be awesome. Chaos <laughs> reigns. Bye. Yeah. So bring your kids and fuck them up. Like just ha- like yeah. just show them these images, and they'll be really freaked out, and they're gonna want to sleep with the light on for a while. Yeah. But in the end, it will make them a horror fan. Yeah. It will be an itch that they need to scratch. And yes, and if you are a younger 13 year old person and we've been talking down to you this whole episode, um, go see this movie. I think you'll really like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scaredy Cats, thanks for listening to another episode of the Text Chris Dave Saw Massacre. I'm Chris Vandenberg. And I'm David Stoneborough. And like we say every episode, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns, Chaos Reigns. Ruthie is a spider face. Chaos reigns. And she'll be locked up in the nut house forever. Till the end of the movie. See you next week. Bye.